BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine, the show that teaches you how to survive the things that could kill you. Like a bridge collapse, a possessed mountain lion, or climbing Mount Everest? Oof. Or the things that, you know, kind of just make you wish you were dead. Being the house that gave out raisins yesterday? Walking around with your fly down? How about getting caught with your pants around your ankles? Ooh, I don't want to be a part of any of those things. Well, then you better just listen to this theme song. I will. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I am Danielle. I'm Christine. Christine, what was the phrase you made up right before we got on air about party? Uh, let's start the party. No, that wasn't it. No. It was put on your glasses. Put let's on your par- sound. Put on let's your sound. Party start. Let's <laughs> party start. Thirty seconds. I know. Ago. We're guys. So it, up. We can't remember what is. It was genius. Whatever it was. It was like it was put on your glasses. Something of a combination of the words party and start. <laughs> put on your glasses. Put on your sound. Put on your party. Start your party. Start, start your, your party. Start your party. Start your party. And here we are. And we are starting, starting the party. party. Speaking of parties, um, so my son went to a, I guess technically his first high school party. <gasps> um, well, before you get too excited. I'm very excited. So, and it was sort of a dress up Halloween thing. I'm not sure why everything's being done like a whole week ahead of time, but um, it was just like a uh, vampire themed costume party. Yeah. So he wore... Just like a brown shirt, brown pants, and then a Dracula cape, which okay. I called a cloak, which Jimmy and Oliver... Cloak teased. is correct. Well, they said I sounded like my mother. Oh, it's oh. a cloak. I was like, I don't know. What else do you call it? <laughs> I thought but it... I think cloak Anyway, and then correct. he just wore a My Name Is tag that said, uh, my name is Dracula blah, because the rest was so blah. <laughs> that. Anyway. That's funny. I thought it was cute. So on the way there, I said, look... I was very casual about it. I was like, look, if there's alcohol and you decide to drink, you know, just make sure you eat first because <laughs> you're because you're really skinny. Yeah. And and, you know, you need food to like absorb it a little bit. And he, he just looks at me. He's like, there's not going to be alcohol and I'm not drinking. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But just OK, just remember it for the future. And yeah. When you drink for the first time, just you got to eat first. So anyway, so then I pick him up. And I was like, so how'd it go? And he was like, yeah, it was fun. I go, what'd you do? He goes, um, we played Mad Libs. <laughs> wow. What the fuck is going on with high school kids? I think things have gotten much Calmer. more innocent. I know. I was like, oh, I guess there was no alcohol then. And he was like, no. I was like, oh, all right. Jeez, euphoria is <laughs> getting it all wrong. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> wow. But then I couldn't really remember that many I couldn't really picture any high school parties I was at except for one at the very, very beginning of high school 
where, you know, I was dropped off and all these, I didn't know anyone because it was like right when high school started and that this, someone was passing around pot brownies, which turned out to be not rosemary. What's the thing people use for parsley? No. Like for fake pot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kind yeah. of spice. Yeah. Orega- oregano. Yes. Oregano brownies. Yes. I was like, what? Well, it tastes like pasta sauce. <laughs> Why do these taste like Chef Boyer tea? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's all I really remember. I'm sure there were a million parties. I just don't think, like my group of friends, we all just hung out as a group of friends. And we had like dinner parties and stuff. I, was, I never went to a high school party because my friends just drank beer in the woods on the backs of that's uh, not a party pickup trucks. Yeah. Oh, those were like <laughs> parties where guys rode four wheelers and uh, like. Got it. In and the, you were at those. I was at those. Yeah. So, but they weren't really high school high school parties. I'm imagining like girls that were really popular that were cheerleaders and the football team. Like they had different kinds of parties. Beer funnels. I don't know. I, I'd be curious if they drank. They probably did. Listen, yeah. if anybody I went to high school with that was popular is yes. listening to this podcast, which I doubt, but if you are, I want to know about the parties. Are you friends on Facebook with any people you went to high I school am. with? I am. I um, am. So, yeah, if you're listening, please tell me. What were those parties like? <laughs> I know what my parties were like. That's exactly that party you just described happened in the Americans. Yes. Where she's at, like, just in the... In the uh, backwoods just drinking with a bunch of yes yeah that was like dazed and confused was definitely like the parties Ah. of my high school garen oh i to to the surprise of nobody i never went to any of that kind of stuff no no i had friends who would come and try to kidnap me from my house because i would never go anywhere you were socially yeah i just didn't not interested it was movie theaters or that was or laser tag and that was it for me like i never did parties i never felt the urge to go that's very sweet did you letter in laser tag did i did I ever laser <laughs> yeah. tag? I would. Did have. you get a? It was Lord X patch? was my name. I'm my little, my little fob. Lord would, X. Lord X. I loved the letter X for some reason. Because it's sexy. I guess. Yeah. X X X. You mean you got to be the same name every time yeah. you did laser tag? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I. You know what? I don't think I've ever done. I've witnessed laser tag. Yes. I don't think I've actually ever participated. It's fun. It's, there was one down the street here that's actually pretty good. I think. Yeah. I think I brought Oliver to a birthday party there once. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. How anyway. have we missed out? How have we missed out on the delight that is laser tag? I, <laughs> you know what we should do? You La- and I should go play laser tag sometime. With the three of us. All of us, yes. Yeah. Let's do it. And we'll film it. Oh, that'll be fun. Are you oh like with a Yeah, we'll go pro it. We'll go, go pro, pro it. Yeah. People are dying to see this, I'm sure. Yeah. Listen, Excitement speaking of, of not that. Wait. wait, what did you say, Karen? Said so the exciting the excitement of laser tag just firsthand. Yeah, right, right. It'd be wonderful. Listen, I don't have a transition. Okay. But I have something really exciting to talk about. Okay. Everest. Mount? Mount, the mount. Okay. Have you guys read Into the Air, John Krakauer? Wait a second. No, no. Jimmy read that one. I read um, Under the... Banner of Heaven. Banner of Heaven. That's Excellent. also Crack Hour, right? Yes. Right. Well, about the Mormon. Oh, it's so freaking good. Well, you know, he's such a powerful uh, narrative nonfiction writer. Yeah. Well, you should read into Thin Air. I will. It's fascinating. I think it's probably on our shelf somewhere. That's what excited me originally about Everest. And also okay. just the idea that people want to do this. Climb mountains. Any, yeah. Yeah. The sides of mountains with like the ropes. Oh, God. 
that are like 30 degree angles and it's like sheer the whole thing all right i'm going to first start with establishing where everest is in everyone's minds okay because not everyone knows i would appreciate it it straddles the border of nepal and tibet 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 not tibet no jeez chris so everyone knows where that is now and i don't need to say another word right (laughs) <laughs> well, it's like East. It's it's so, East Asia or Northeast. I, right? I looked that up because that didn't really help me. Tibet <laughs> is in is actually it's an Anna. It's like a it's part of China, right. but independent of China, right. but sort of but not recognized as its but, own. But Tibet's like, please don't make us be part of you anymore. Right. But China's like, too bad, we own you. Yeah. So it's in the bottom. Lower half of China. Oh, okay. I it's, was picturing it more northern, but okay. It's pretty big. Is Tibet itself is pretty yeah. big? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a large mass of land, and then it's such an American name. Is that because whoever conquered it was named Everest? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the answer. to Sorry, that. I just got a little off track. But we can find that out. It certainly doesn't sound Tibetan. Ne- Nepal is much smaller. Mm-hmm. I was also shocked to find out. Everest is very close to the equator. Okay. At 28 degrees, which is the same as Tampa, Florida. Oh. Yeah, I was picturing it much more north. It's wild. (laughs) All right. So, pretending I know where Tampa, Florida is. I know where Florida is, but... Pick one. Okay. Tampa or Everest. Yeah, okay. Where's your winter home going to be? Yeah. All right. Okay. This mountain was formed 50 to 60 million years ago by the upward force generated when the Indian and Eurasian tectonic plates collided, pushing up the rocks to form the highest mountain on Earth. Except there's an underwater mountain in Hawaii that's taller. Oh, Jesus. But you can't really climb an underwater mountain. Not without, uh, you know, some scuba gear. Yeah, you got to have that and, and like be in a shark tank. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> for a lot of reasons, right? Right. This is still happening. Did you know this? So the Everest summit gets about a quarter of an inch higher each no year. Way. Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Could you imagine you're just like, I can't. I thought this was a quarter inch shorter. I can't go so another. Is, is there an asterisk next to the people who have climbed it every year prior to the previous prior to the current year? Because it's like, well, they didn't really go as far as there should be. Because it's now three inches taller. I went I went further than you. Would you like to know what's dangerous about Everest? I'm sure a lot. There's so many things, but yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some things, and then I'm going to tell you some more things. I like that order. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll then get we'll, ready to party. Or and then, the and then we're going to party, and we're going to party harder. <laughs> so it's at 29,032 feet. Up there, it has about one-third the air pressure of sea level, which means climbers can't get enough oxygen. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if you've seen the summit of Everest, but it's very small. I know you haven't seen it in person. I right. mean, I'm going to assume you haven't climbed Everest. I feel like I'd know that about you by now. No, I've climbed this, the Culver City stairs. That's about it. That's, I mean, comparable. Right. Garen, how about you? Have you climbed Everest? 
I, I can barely climb the ramp to this door outside, <laughs> let <alone> Everest. <laughs> All right, so just full disclosure, I've also not climbed Everest. Okay. I feel like thank you for being honest. Yeah, I want to. I want to share that right now. I honestly would not be shocked if you said you had. <laughs> well, she was a Sherpa one year when she was trying to right? in between um, college years. She had to make a little extra money, and yeah. she was a Sherpa. I was a Sherpa, so I did help someone else up Everest, right. but that doesn't count. <laughs> One climber described it as about the size of two ping pong tables. That's how small Holy it is ghost. at the top. Oh, yeah. my God. Also, it's a very dangerous game of ping pong. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, because you're going to lose the ball every time. you got to have like a thousand balls. Oh, yeah. They have a little thing up there that just pops out a new ball. <laughs> oh, fun. It's really cool. You should go up, but you have to yeah. climb to see it if you right. want to see it. So as the climbers move up the mountain, their oxygen is their oxygen intake is reduced which puts them at an increasing risk of a number of dangerous physical ailments, such as pulmonary edema. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know what that is? I'm going to say swelling. Yes. Of the pulmonary. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say your, your I'm going to say your veins expand. I'm going to tell you or constrict what it is. <laughs> no, edema is swelling. It's a buildup of fluid in the lungs. Oh, pulmonary. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> and oh, my God. If you have this, can, if this happens to you and it's not, you know, treated, the death is, it feels like drowning. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's not a nice way. Drowning in your own body. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Or cerebral edema. Okay, swelling of the brain. Correct. Mm-hmm. Blood embolisms which is a blocked artery caused by a foreign body, such as a blood clot or an air bubble. Mm. So you don't, nobody wants this for you. Here's another thing that can happen. Frostbite also dramatically increases at these higher altitudes because the heart has to work harder to pump blood around the body, delivering oxygen. And the mm-hmm. main priority for the, for the, for the blood is going to be your organs, your life-giving organs, uh. and your fingers and toes are like, last on the list so that's why right. so many people lose the fingers and toes don't you think as soon as i parked to get to the bottom of mount everest and got out of the van i would get frostbite yeah can't wait that's a pretty much a given right i think you would immediately turn to stone <laughs> yeah you know not ice <laughs> you would just go straight to stone you Turns would ice. right yeah. from right from ice to stone right Almost all climbers on Everest use supplemental oxygen. Well, that's what I was wondering. Okay, they must, right? You, yeah, it's they have to to minimize this effect of the extreme altitude. Right. It's not a perfect solution. Here's all the reasons. Okay, it costs a lot of money. Those can- canisters heavy. are heavy. Yeah. Uh, also bad for the mountain because a lot of them get littered and left behind once they're empty. So I was going to say that. Isn't there a major problem with littering? Major. Okay. I'm going to talk more about so that. So disgusting. It's bad. You got. It's got to be easier to bring an empty one down the mountain than a full one up the mountain. Yeah. You're right. Assholes. Except you're really tired. Okay. So here's another issue. You run out on summit day. That's Summit day is the day you're going to the top. Okay. You're going to reach the top. Your body... Okay, so you run out of oxygen... But your body's not able to adapt to the sudden lack of oxygen because the supplemental oxygen is working for you the whole time. So this whole time, your body isn't adapting. So so you should be 
waiting until the very end to use the you, oxygen. You can't though. Oh, you can't. Okay. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into when you start using the supplemental okay. oxygen. So, I also read in a in a different article. I'm gonna source all this. Don't worry, guys. I'm gonna give credit where credit's due. By the way, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter. Chris has been kicking ass with Aww, the newsletter. It's thanks, really guys. cool. There's a lot of fun extra stuff in it. And I'm just saying that because I know you'll put the links in the newsletter I and everything. I will put the links. I will. Um, I don't want people to think I just know this much about Everest. You know this much about everything. I just wake up knowing this. A lot of the times the oxygen tanks are unreliable and they fail, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. But like I said, almost everybody has to use them, even super athletes. Okay, here's another thing that's kind of a bummer about Everest. The industry is built on the backs, literally, of right. a small group of professional ne- Nepalese. Do you think I'm saying that right? I do. Guides who work together each spring to get the route ready. So they put, they're put they the ones that go up and install all the ropes. They fix the ropes in the, oh, in the mountain. I didn't know and that. And the it, ladders. I didn't know that was a permanent thing. Well, like, they have to redo it each time. Interesting. Okay. They stock each camp with tents, the stoves, the bottled oxygen, the food. Oh. And then they then they coach the climbers up to the summit. I mean, can you imagine? the? Sh- the I just keep thinking about these Sherpas and what they're put through by these like uber wealthy, yeah. entitled, Tesla driving fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what's... And it's mostly like white men. And I just I'm like, what's a white guy that's a Karen? Like, what's what do you call that? What's, I think there was a name for a while. But is I don't it remember. Brad? I think it's Chad. Chad. I think that's what. So it's all these Chads. <laughs> but I guess I didn't realize maybe that's one way to do it. I don't I'm, I'm pretty sure. I thought that some people set up their own tents and bring their own food. It's and, mostly this way. Ah, OK. So it's, it's very expensive. Then. It's I, oh, Wait until you hear. Okay. It's coming. You're, 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 I love your curiosity (laughs) and you're bringing up everything we're going to talk about. And I love that. Historically, it's been the Sherpas. This is a Tibetan tribe of people who live closest to the mountain who are hired by the expeditions to keep, you know, all these dum-dums alive. But now there are multiple ethnic groups who find employment on the mountain Leading to this new term of high altitude mountain worker, okay, which is kind of dumb sound. Like it's kind of dumb sounding, but it's better because it encompasses the entire group of people who are okay. helping out at uh, Everest. I guess you could say, in one respect, you know, it's creating an industry, yeah. for this group of people. But listen to this: for a typical three to four month Everest expedition, most earn between twenty five hundred and five thousand dollars. For three to how many months? Three to four months. That's the entire amount they earn. <laughs> but it's so expensive. So where does the money go to a bigger company that hires them out or something? Well, I'm going to break it down okay. just so you can see. It's it's see I again, I don't know what the cost of living is in these places and I would guess that might be a good amount of money compared to right, other because, things they can do. Like right. it, it's maybe a, a a valuable position to have, yeah. but it's so risky. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Okay. But what's good about it, you know, that in recent years, there have been more safety standards for these guides and they've begun to receive training and certifications in international standards. Okay. So it's kind of like this two steps forward, three steps back kind of. I don't I don't think that's the correct expression. Two steps forward, one step back? Maybe. Okay. So it's getting better in certain ways. And then there are other ways that it's getting worse that I'm going to get into. You might be thinking to yourself right now. I don't know, Danielle. You might not. How long does this take? To climb up the mountain? Yeah. I have. I was wondering that earlier. 
Well, I'm going to share the journey of the South Call route. So this, there's, because there's two main routes. There's okay. like 17 different ways you can do it, but there's two that are like the main stays. Okay. So I'm going to share the one that was taken by Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay. These were the first men that yes. summited Everest in 1953. This is the route that's used most frequently. It goes through the treacherous Kumbu Icefall and Western Kum, which is spelled C-W-M, but you say Kum. Yeah. Okay. It's fun, right? Uh-huh. Just fun words. Up the Lotsey face and past the South Call and Hillary step to the summit. Okay. Just some fun yep. some some fun words. Most teams meet in Kathmandu. You know Kathmandu. Kathmandu. Isn't there a song Kathmandu? Isn't it Bob Seeger? I think I'm going to, to Kathmandu. Kathmandu. Oh yes, I really, really want to. to. Yeah. Okay. So Kathmandu is not a country? What is Kathmandu, it? I think, is the capital of... Oh, yes, that's right. Nepal? Nepal or Tibet. Okay. It's probably Nepal. We're going to check that. We'll check that. Garen's good at helping us with that. Garen's the best. Okay. It, they they meet in late March to begin acclimatizing. Acclimatizing? These are the yes. Sherpas are doing this? This is the teams. So most people are on a team. And because they're not just like, I'm going to climb Everest by myself. Most right. people are going on a guided... It's like, you know, a guided tour. Just like a bachelor weekend. Yeah, yeah. For like the ultra wealthy. They all got their penis hats on. Yeah. So as they start (laughs) trekking. Even the bat, not not a bachelorette, but a bachelor party. Yes. They have their penis hats on. Yes. Okay. So as they start trekking towards base camp, (laughs) their staff, this is the, um, what it would formerly be called. You know, I'm going to say Sherpas because it's, I don't remember. The the general term for the guides. Okay. And. I'm just going to say Sherpa so we know what I'm talking about, but we're assuming it's a broader term that encompasses everyone. The Sherpas are already on the mountain carrying loads and preparing the route to the summit as the the teams are making their way to the base camp. They spend nearly two weeks just hiking to the base camp. Which sits what? A, yeah, this is at an altitude of around seventeen thousand feet. So base camp is at seventeen thousand feet. Two weeks. Yeah. So it takes them two weeks to hike there to okay. base camp. So they're there for about two weeks adjusting to the altitude, okay, and then waiting on the good weather conditions before they can continue um, going to other camps along the way. Gotcha. So it's a really long process. So most climbers spend months or even years before thinking about making it to the Himalayas. Um, In April, they start making overnight rotations to higher and higher camps up the mountain. So this is before. So this is they're they're uh, this is all in the process of acclimatizing, getting their bodies used to the higher altitudes. And again, like I said, the 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 Nepalese guides, the the Sherpas, they're up going up to the summit. By the second week in May, everything should be ready to go. This is. The are you saying that the climbers are up there for two months? The the tourists. Yes, the they're, whole process. So they're 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 not up high, but they're on the mountain. Yes. for this long. Yes. So okay, after, I was completely. Um, it's a really long deal. I was completely in the dark about how this is done. Okay, after final rest. So some teams even decamp the mountain entirely. They come all the way back down. To spend a few nights at a lower elevation so they can completely recover. Okay. Then they do the summit push. That normally takes place over a grueling four to five days round okay. trip from base camp. Again, the base camp is 17,000 gotcha. feet. Assuming they aren't dead, most Everett climbers <laughs> are on their way home by the beginning of June. 
Um, so wow. with, with that being said, and then they get up there and it's the size of two ping pong tables. Yes. And you're not going to believe how crowded it is. I'm not there yet, but I want to talk to you how dangerous about how dangerous Everest is. Yeah. Okay. Statistically, Everest is becoming safer. Gear's gotten better. Uh, weather forecasting has gotten super precise. Okay. And more people are climbing with these commercial operations. So this is, I got this according to a respected Everest chronicler, Alan Arnett. One problem with the super precision of weather, though, so what they used to do with the climbing is they would have staggered climbs with these different teams. Yeah. Because they didn't know exactly what the weather was. Well, now weather forecasting has become oh. so precise that everyone knows exactly the, same day. the moment. So they're all going at once. Right. This is bad news. Another reason that it's gotten um, a little better is that the Nepalese government has brought in tougher rules requiring more training and experience because there was this huge spike in deaths in 2019. I do believe I read about this. So this is an 11 climbers died, which is the the deadliest. In one year? Yeah. The deadliest year in Everett's history. They were trying to reach the summit and uh, in 20. But then in 2022, only two climbers died. So this year, only two climbers died. On average, around five climbers die every year. Oh, my God. So. So you're really taking a chance. I'm going to give you the the odds of dying on August. So at least 310 people have died total climbing Everest. Okay. While there have been 9,159 successful summit climbs by 5,294 people. Those are just some people have done it more than once is what they're saying. I'm just throwing out some numbers. Got it. And um, the overall death rate. So this is the number of fatalities divided by the overall number of people on the mountain. This is not just those who summit. Because some okay. people don't make don't it to the, the summit. Don't go all the way to the top. Okay. Some people die before they get there, you know. <laughs> Christ. All right. It's approximately 1.2%, meaning that if you try to climb Everest, you have about 1 in 100 chance of dying along the way. That's not nothing. No, let's compare that to some other odds. You have a 1 in 1,024 chance of drowning. You have a 1 in 107 chance of dying in a car crash. A 1 in what? 107. Really? Yeah. Boy, that's really common. Yeah. So right. it's 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 a little bit less than a car crash. All right. 1 in 100. You have a 1 in 67 chance of dying of an opioid overdose. Uh... If you take opioids, I'm assuming, not just in general. One in 21 chance of dying from all preventable causes of death. Of death. Oh, boy. Do you want to know cancer? Okay. One in six. One in six chance of dying of cancer? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, one in 100 chance of Everest if you climb Everest. So, right. I mean, it's it's the same. It's, it's the same as opioids. But if you get that um, pulmonary... Ad- edema then you can drown and die on them you can conquer two deaths yeah, at once yeah exactly so way to kill two people with one two lung. one person with two Birds. stones <laughs> oh we're, we know what we're saying all right would you like to know oh my gosh this is the these are the big hazards on everest are okay. you ready yes this is i love this okay number one the death zone all right, you're in the death zone of Everest when you get above 26,000 feet. Once you're up there, there's not enough oxygen and your body and mind can fall apart. So here's the major risk, cognitive impairment. Okay. Climbers have been so out of it, they've just walked right off the cliff <gasps> and fallen to their death. Shit. 
A study of deaths on Everest between 1921 and 2006 found that 59 of 94 deaths that occurred in the death zone were due to falls or disappearances. Wait, did you say 1921? Yeah. Because people were still trying to... Oh, he was the first yes. in the 50s, but... Oh. People were trying before that. And this, it's like it's like that ocean thing. Like, oh, the, the seawater. Yes. I'm going to go out for a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. It also forces climbers, the death zone also forces climbers to slow down as they descend the mountain, making them more susceptible to exhaustion, hypothermia, altitude sickness, uh. avalanches. So the majority of fatalities in the death zone are climbers after they've summited. Oh, fuck. Right? That's infuriating. Yeah, you just, you just saw that. Those ping pong tables. Yep. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to go out for a pack of cigarettes. Oh, for God's sake. Bye. Avalanches, icefall, and rockfall. Ah. Those have caused some of the deadliest days on Everest. Mm. What's scary about these situations is they can kill a lot of climbers at once. It sounds like it. And so consider the fact that a lot of these climbers, they're all roped together. (gasps) Oh, shit. On these teams. Shit. Here's one situation. In April of 2015, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake hit Nepal, killing 9,000 people. Oh, my God. Caused an avalanche on Everest that killed 22 people. Holy ghost. This was the deadliest day on the mountain. I think earlier I said it was the deadliest day on the mountain. Scratch that. This was the deadliest day on the mountain. The year before, 16 climbers were swept off the mountain in an avalanche. So does the Sherpa... Are they also tied to them, or they're like, you're on your own? I'm just, I think so. They are tied to them. Yeah. Okay. Next, altitude sickness, as yeah. we would imagine, claims the li- claimed the lives of 52 climbers between 1921 and 2006. If climbers remain below 12,000 feet, they're unlikely to experience the more severe forms of altitude sickness, which may cause difficulty walking, increased breathlessness, a bubbling sound in the chest, Ooh. coughed up liquid that is pink and frothy, Oh, and confusion or loss of consciousness. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm picturing the pink and froth. I can't take it. It doesn't make you want a Starbucks drink? <laughs> no. No. It makes me want You got to get... You, this is a medical emergency. If you don't get immediate descent to a lower altitude, you might die. Yeah. All right. So when people climb Everage... <laughs> <laughs> Here's what pro- here's what happens. They did it. They did some research in the British Medical Journal, and they looked at deaths on Everest from 1921 and 2006, and found that profound fatigue and late times in reaching the summit are early features associated with subsequent death. Here's the safest way to climb Everest. When people climb Everest, the mantra is that you have to get up to the summit by a certain time so that you can get down while you still have oxygen left and while you still have daylight. Uh, okay. Too often, people refuse to turn around when they should have because they can see the summit and they think it's close enough to justify continuing. Oh, so if you don't... Okay, so they're saying, you know, 25 days, say, I know it's more than that, but... If you're at day 24 and you haven't gotten to the summit yet, you need to turn around. It's not even days. It's hours. Oh. It's people see it. Yeah. And they're looking at it's timed by like the hour. Of and when, they're like of when you're going to run out of oxygen. They're like, I should have turned around by now, but they're still two hours away. Got and it. they're like, no, I, I can do this. And then they run out of oxygen. But they're, they don't. It's that thing where they think they're a lot closer than they are because they can see it. Sure. A lot more hours away. And then they just didn't time it correctly. And then they died. And then they die. Now that you've heard how fun it sounds. Yeah. You're probably thinking, how do I get in on this? Sure. All right. 
It's not cheap. I was going to say, now I understand, though, why people go for the expensive option, because <coughs> you want someone who knows what they're doing. Climbers can pay anywhere from 35000 to over 100000 Oh, my God. I mean, I think you don't want to skimp on this, right? Yeah. Just yeah, pay, yeah. Pay, pay the high amount. $11,000 just for the climbing permit from okay. the government to, that you pay to the government. And they're the only issued back. over certain, in certain times. Correct. You got to go in this April, May right. window. You've got the bottle of oxygen, the high altitude gear, tents, sleeping bags, boots, covers medical care, food and support from the Sherpa guides, bottled oxygen. So people still attempt to climb without the use of supplemental oxygen, but it's rare. Oh my God. It sounds dumb and dangerous. So dumb. I did read a really interesting article in the Washington Post. It gets into all the dirty details of these men who've climbed without the oxygen and what it happens to the body when it's uh, deprived of oxygen. Just this one pull quote from the piece. Um, Even some climbers who appeared to make it down just fine discover later that they've suffered permanent brain damage. Oh, for God's sake. So I I say... Because they didn't want to kick in for the oxygen? Yeah. Jesus. Another problem... Uh, oh my god, that's terrible. I do want to mention that 90% of climbers are going on these guided climbs now. Yeah. And often these clients don't have the basic climbing skills needed for this kind of trip. Right. They have the money, which right. is, you know, appealing, right? They think it's like, oh, the guides will teach me everything yes. I need to know. And because they paid so much money that they think that should guarantee them a spot on the summit. It's like, I've paid 100 grand, yeah. I want to get to that summit. It's all ego. That means the two main climbing routes have become not only grossly polluted with garbage leaking from glaciers, pyramids of human waste, oh, oh. and so many dead bodies. <sighs> because it's really expensive to move the dead bodies. And you can't, how can you move a dead body can that they high? just knock it down? Can they just push it, get a little push? Sometimes people do push them into crevasses. I'm just saying like do a, like a boink, 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 boink. Just like <laughs> go down. I mean, gravity, well, just throw it down. The climate change is starting, they've been covered though also with ice and snow, a lot of these bodies. And now they're starting to reveal a lot because of climate change melting. <sighs> okay. Some of the snow and ice, a lot of these bodies are starting to be revealed. Uh-huh. It's also dangerously crowded. Okay, I've seen this footage. You've seen, have you seen the photos and the footage of, of the people summit? waiting in line? Yeah, and like there's like two inches to yes. stand because people are there. It's so crowded. Yes. Now, th- now remember that when I said earlier that a climber needs to time their ascent carefully so they have enough energy to make it through the death zone. You can't do that when you're in a line for four hours. Right. Right. You know, it's not it's it's making it more dangerous. So it's not even like you can. OK, I've, I've reached the summit. Now I'm exhausted. I'm going to sleep it off for a few days. You can't do that because there's only so much oxygen you have. Is that is that what you're saying? Like you have to get down. Yes. You can't just rest. No. OK. So you've you've got this also the other issue of the going with the cheaper option right it's like oh should i go to this 9.99 buffet in vegas <laughs> right or the one that's 40 and you end up with food poisoning and you're like oh geez you know i right. really got what i paid for and i this is what's happening with the low budget guide options in okay. everest as well i mean i'm sure there's great ones but like they're not going to have the same knowledge the best equipment they might be understaffed Oy. so how they're going to keep you safe if something goes wrong they employ fewer sherpas 
so all of these clients who died on Everest, um, this is a quote, all the clients who died on Everest this past year went with low budget, less experienced <gasps> operators, says Willie Benegas, 44, an Argentine-American high altitude guide and co-owner with his brother Damien of Benegas Brothers Expeditions. The brothers say that Nepalese outfitters need to be held to international standards. Okay, here's a positive change they just made in 2019. Climbers must now have, to get their permit, Climbers must now have prior experience climbing at least uh. one Nepalese peak over 21,000 feet, which makes seems crazy that they should have always had at least experience right. climbing a peak right. before you could do the biggest one in the world. Well, that's going to way cut down on the people, right? I would I would think they also need to submit a certificate of good health and physical fitness and travel with a trained guide. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask before this before this rule was passed. Did some people who are expert climbers just go by themselves without a guide? I think you can if you if you have the expertise. I think that's a possibility. Okay. I don't think it's against the law. So my um, how to survive um, summation would say, yes. you know, best way, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, stay home. If Watch you do, or whatever in that. don't go the budget route. Yes. Use the oxygen, don't be a hero. Jesus. Um, climb a bunch of other peaks first. Have a will in place. Uh, go with someone who won't let you die on the mountain. Um, and that leads me to my story. Oh, boy. Are you ready for a crazy story from Reader's Digest? <laughs> yes. You know that Reader's Digest is a trusted friend in a complicated world. I do know that. I love that. I love that. Does this story come with a recipe for um, homemade mac and cheese? I hope so, because that's one of my favorite things to eat. Near Everest Peak, the climbers faced a choice. Head for the summit like others had done or stop to save an injured man. Ah. He'd spent seven hours clambering up the mountain through ice and snow, and now an exhausted Daniel Mazur sensed that success was near. Oh, boy. Although it was 10 degrees below zero near the top of Everest, the soft morning light revealed clear blue skies for miles around. This is perfect. We're definitely going to summit today, the climbing guy told himself, digging his crampons into the ice and taking a few more cautious steps. He and his companions were less than three hours away from the spectacular 2,000, nope, from the spectacular 29,035-foot summit. It was 7.30 a.m. when Missouri climbed onto a narrow ledge called Mushroom Rock to rest and offer encouragement to his summit climb teammates, Andrew Brash of Canada, Mile Osborne, of England and their Sherpa guide, Jongbu. As the men looked out on the snow-covered peaks below, Mazur suddenly saw a flash of bright yellow to his left. Was it a tent? No way, he thought, squinting to take a, co squinting to take a closer look. No climber would camp out at this altitude. The yellow blur moved again, and Mazur's, and Mazur's jaw dropped in amazement. What the hell? He wondered. Perched per... Sorry, guys. I need to take a drink. <laughs> <clears throat> Perched precariously on the edge of a jagged cliff was a man sitting cross-legged, trying to change his shirt. His thick snowsuit was unzipped to the waist, and he had no hat, gloves, or sunglasses. Oh, my God. Without an oxygen mask, sleeping bag, food, or water, there was no reason for Lincoln Hall to be alive at 28,000 <gasps> feet, and he seemed to know it. Pulling his frostbitten hands out of his shirt, Hall looked up at Missouri. I imagine you were surprised to see me here, he said. <gasps> Hall had been alone on the mountain since 7.30 the night before. 
Following an arduous climb up the North Ridge, he and his teammates had reached the summit at 9 that morning. After celebrating the glorious view of the Earth's curve and posing for victory photos, they started on their descent, hoping to reach camp before dangerous afternoon storms rolled in. But at 28,000 feet, Hall's feet had stopped moving. Oh, God. And he was overcome by a deep fatigue. Oh, God. He turned to one of the Sherpas he was climbing with. I need to lie down. I need to sleep, he told him. With 25 years of experience behind him, Hall was a seasoned mountaineer. He had climbed Everest once before in 1984, but failed to summit. Now, although he didn't have the presence of mind to realize it, he was suffering from cerebral edema, a severe <gasps> form of altitude sickness. The condition causes the brain to swell and leads to a stumbling, intoxicated gait, hallucinations, and eventually death. In fact, this area of the mountain, right below the summit, is known as the death zone. Mm. It is incredibly steep and icy, requiring, requiring climbers to use fixed ropes and ice axes to hack their way to the top and then back down again. And because of the high altitude, if a climber is going to get sick, it usually happens here. Normally, the descent from here to advanced base camp takes about two hours. But Hall was weak and increasingly uncooperative as the edema overtook him. Two Sherpas had to lower him down between them, wasting precious daylight while the rest of the group kept going. After nine hours, Hall went limp. He appeared to be dead, and the Sherpas were ordered by their leader to leave him on the mountain. It's not uncommon for people to freeze to death climbing in the mountains. Checking one last time for signs of life, one of the men poked Hall, poked Hall in the eye. When there was no response, they gathered his backpack, food, water, and extra oxygen and returned to the high camp. So they just took all that with them and left Jesus him there. Christ. Just hours before, another Is climber. the pulse thing doesn't work? You got to poke someone in the eye? I guess You don't so. have a mirror handy? You can see if their breath. You got to do a three stooges on the poor guy? <laughs> they did a three. Uh, that's the medical term. They did a three, did stooges. They do three stooges. Okay. Just hours before, another climber, a German man named Thomas Weber, suffered similar symptoms, then collapsed and died less than 20 yards from Hall. And 10 days before, David Sharp, a climber from Great Britain, had become seriously ill from the high altitude and died beneath a rock overhang. Oh. 40 other climbers intent on reaching the summit had passed by, refusing to help. Almost any experienced climber who's been on Mount Everest knows somebody who didn't make it back. Two of Dan Mazur's friends, Rob Hall, no relation to Lincoln, and Scott Fisher died in the tortor in the notorious snowstorm that killed six other climbers in 1996. Their bodies and nearly 200 others are scattered across Everest's treacherous slopes, preserved for eternity in snow and ice. Oh my God. There are times when you literally have to step over somebody's body to get to the top, said Missouri. It's a grim reminder that you'd never <laughs> lose respect for the mountain. Is it? Is life not hard enough for people? I know, right? They have to create these obstacles for themselves. Obstacles in which they could die I'm like, for literally no reason. Yeah, like I got to go to this place and step over dead bodies so I can feel alive. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Near the peak on that crisp, clear May morning, a mountaineer's dream, Mazur describes. Maybe just try manscaping or something. <laughs> or just get a garden. Get a garden. That feels risky enough to yeah. me. I can't keep this zucchini alive. Yeah, you're going to step over dead zucchinis <laughs> and you'll feel alive. It's, that's working for me. He and his team members quietly realized they had a choice to make. Should they phone in Lincoln Hall's predicament to his group, Seven Summits, and continue on or stay with him until help arrived? Missouri had reached the summit once before in 1991, but for Brash and Osborne, who had spent 20000 each to make this expedition, it was the dream of a lifetime. In the end, Missouri knew there was only one possible decision to make. Luckily, he says, everyone made the right one. 
Osborne spoke first. We can't leave the guy. They all agreed. Not only was Hall frostbitten and disoriented, he could slip and plunge down the 8,000-foot Ken Shung face at any moment. We found him sitting on a three-by-three-foot platform covered with snow and ice. It's hard to believe he didn't roll over the edge <laughs> during the night. God. The men got oh Hall. Oh, my God. You know? Oh, my God. They got him away from the cliff's edge and helped him back into his snowsuit. Rubbaging through their backpacks, they shared their oxygen, lemonade, and Snickers bars. Can you tell me how you got here? Asked Mazur. No, said Hall. Can you tell me your name? Hall hesitated, then broke into a grin. Yes, he exclaimed. My name is Lincoln Hall. Can you tell me how I got here? Oh. Thank God he's coming around, Mazur thought, but Hall wasn't coherent for long. This is a great boat ride we're on. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, my God. Still hallucinating, he stretched out his arms like he was about to do a backflip. He tried again to remove his snowsuit, then lunged for the cliff. Whoa, where do you think you're going? Mazur grabbed him in a bear hug and tackled him onto the ice. Does this guy have a death wish? He wondered. Then he flashed on his late friend, Scott Fisher, who died on Everest. When climbers came across Fisher's body, he was partially undressed, a bare arm sticking out of his unsipped down suit. Mazur knew it was common for people in the last stages of hypothermia to tear off their clothes. And tunnel. Yep, burrowing. Naked burrowing. Naked burrowing. He also knew they tended to act like three-year-olds having a tantrum. Hall was belligerent. He wasn't listening. Or maybe he wasn't capable of processing what was being said. Either way, Missouri decided, I wasn't going to let this guy we were trying to save kill himself. Come on, Missouri told his teammates. We've got to keep him away from the ledge. It looked like they'd have another, they'd have to anchor Hall to the mountain to keep him from lunging off. (laughs) They drove an ice ice axe into the snow, then attached a sling mountaineer's lingo for a strong nylon tether, which they tied to him with a figure eight knot. They secured him. He's like Gulliver's Travels, but upright. Yes. Radioed down to base camp. Got Go over to the Seven Summits camp. Get their guys out of bed and get them to the radio. Ten minutes later, the head Sherpa on Hall's team came on the radio. Lincoln Hall is in big trouble and needs your help. There was a long pause. You mean he's alive? <laughs> How alive but is I he? poked him in the eye. <laughs> well, he's moving around. He's talking. We need extra food, water, and oxygen to get him down. You've got some guys in high camp, right? Send them up. The Russian climber agreed to send all the Sherpas he could gather. You can't blame the Sherpas for leaving Hall in the mountain, said Mazur. It's their job to help us climb, but it's not their job to die. For more than four hours, Mazur and his team waited, stomping their feet and pacing on the small snow-capped ledge to stay warm. At that point, no one knew if Hall was going to live. He shivered uncontrollably, his head jerked up and down. He was suffering from snow blindness, common at high altitudes on such a bright, clear day. His fingers were so frozen, they looked like pale yellow wax. The team was relieved when two Italian climbers suddenly appeared on the ledge. Good morning, we've got a guy in trouble. Can you help? The men kept moving toward the summit. Sorry, no speak English, Uh, was all they said. Mazur would spot them later at base camp, speaking English very well. Uh. All I can say is God bless their souls. It was almost noon when a dozen Sherpas finally arrived to help take Hall back to base camp. He was able to walk down down to high camp with a guide on either side of him. From there, he rode a yak to base, bumping down the mountain on a saddle made of foam sleeping mats. So they, there's it yaks took, up there. Okay, yeah, okay. it took two days to make it down. He was recuperating in his tent um, before the hundred mile trip to a hospital in Kathmandu. I hope that after all this, he's a nice guy. Mazur thought. 
He wasn't da- he wasn't disappointed, although Hall was still groggy and slurring his words. They clearly understood when he said thank you for saving his life. Hall would need surgery to amputate the tips of six fingers. Yeah. Still, he knows he's a lucky man that he very well could have been the 12th person to die on Everest this year. Oh, that year. The deadliest season since the 1996 tragedy. If any one of our listeners has climbed Everest or, or something similar, like a big mountain, I yeah. would love it doesn't have to be a survival story. I just want to hear about it. There's climbing and then there's cold. Yes. And putting those two things together seems like my worst nightmare. I mean, I don't, yeah. I, the climbing part sounds kind of fun and cool, but not, I mean, you know, to a certain level, not the where your mind is mush and you're. No. Oh, my God. Anything where it's like I might start thinking I'm on a boat and just want to jump off the side of a mountain. The guy on the boat thought he was on land and the guy on the mountain thought he was on a boat. Yes. If only they could have switched places. Yeah, that would have been great for them. Well, that's fantastic. That's fantastic that the guy survived. So, how did they call the? How did they? Oh, because oh, they had a Sherpa with them, and the Sherpa called like on a radio they, or I think something. They have radios walkie-talkie where they can kind of thing. Call down and call to the base. Okay, got how it. bad did that guy feel that poked him in the eye when <laughs> he got the news? How how alive? He's alive. How, how alive, alive is he? I like the Italians just <laughs> sipping. Me no speak out the English. <laughs> like, and also, if you didn't, you couldn't understand what was going on. But like, the guy's trapped the mountain. <laughs> so many people are like, I'm just going to keep... They yeah. leave people to die because they're like, no, I, I'm i going to get my summit. Oh, my God. I wouldn't... That would never be a choice for me. I wouldn't no, care how much money I was would, involved. Uh, no, of course not. Wow. Thanks. Well, thank you. That was really interesting and scary. I felt like I was there. We kind of did climb Everest. We did together a little bit. I feel like the three of us were metaphorically. We, sum- we summited. We played a game of ping pong. Yeah. And I we- wonder if they go to eleven points or if they have to make it shorter, like to nine, because so many people are waiting. It's a long line. A so long line. I think they got to do a real short game. Yeah. yeah. What if you get up there and you forgot your paddle? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be so mad. Oh my god, so mad. All right. Well, we will be right back. Yeah. With our guest. Welcome back to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. My voice is cracking. Are you hitting puberty? I think I'm finally hitting it. Oh, my gosh. I, was, I knew I was a late bloomer, but this is ridiculous. I want to bring in our guest, Amanda Dibert. We're very excited to have her here. I'm going to tell you a little bit. I'm going to tell our audience a little bit. I'm going to introduce them to the magic that is Amanda Dibert. Okay. She is a very talented comic book writer, comic, comedian, funny writer as well. Sometimes. Yeah. I've, I've, hopefully. Hopefully funny. She's very funny. <laughs> she's funny on Twitter, and she's also like a lovely, she has a lovely heart. She has a lot of warmth on Twitter, and she's, uh, I think you should follow her, and we're going to put all her socials up. She has a book coming out called You Already Have the Answers, a gratitude journal. And uh, you can pre-order it now. Pre-orders matter, folks. So yeah. make uh, make it, it make a great gift, I think, for the holidays. Say the name again, Amanda. You Already Have the Answers. Okay, great. Listen to this for my comic book fans. She's got the Darkwing Duck coming out, right? Yes, yes. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Darkwing Duck. It was, you know, it was the cartoon in the '90s. Now I'm doing the the comic book uh, series that comes out. If I mess any of this part up because I'm not as well versed in comic books, anyone can slap me across the face. It's okay. Star Wars hyper stories, hyperspace stories. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's it's the it's, it's all Jar Jar. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all, just caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. caffeine. I'm gonna get this one right. John, Jesus Christ! I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Great. John Carpenter's Tales for a Hollywood Night. 
No, you're gonna. We're gonna edit this one. We we can. We're edit. not editing. Amanda, Chris thought uh, everything, everywhere, all at once was a Marvel movie. So, this is what this is the. I mean, you know, <laughs> look, just, I, it's, it is a multiverse. It is a multiverse. I, too. It's not my area of expertise. No, it's but not. I want to get it right. John Carpenter's <laughs> Tales for a Halloween Night. Mm-hmm. I know who John Carpenter is. Yes, he's in the horror genre. <laughs> 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 he is, he is. He is in the horror genre. I have to say, my first uh, non-babysitting job was at a comic book store, and I don't know that much more than you do, so I just sat there and read um, Farside cartoons and stuff the whole time. But I have, I do have a 15-year-old son, so I, l- I know a little more, but not so much. But we have somebody here who knows a lot, and that's Garen. Yes. So yes. I think he's for you. he's excited. <laughs> You're very embarrassed for me. <laughs> I don't mind. Like you know, what? of all the things to be embarrassed about, oh, this I should have just kept it to like Wonder Woman and the, no, and the basics. I I love all of this. I love embarrassing myself. Okay, Amanda, we're so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. And um, in the first half of the show, we talked you. about uh, climbing Mount Everest, and now with Amanda, we're going to talk about falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So is this a metaphorical cliff, Amanda? Um, I wish. Okay. I wish it was. I mean, I've I've fallen from many metaphorical cliffs. <laughs> Same. Um, constantly, probably will again this week. But this was a this was a literal uh, edge of a mountain in in the Appalachians. Okay. Um, because I am I'm originally from the the East Coast, and I was I was living in Central Florida and attending a private Pentecostal school. Whoa. Yeah, as one does. Um, is this a high school? Yeah, this is okay. a high school. So, you know, as a as a young figuring out I was a lesbian, that's a great place to be. Holy moly. Ooh, this is uh, shades of Dave Holmes at Catholic College. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's exactly where you want to be is yeah. in the 1990s as a young lesbian in <sighs> Central Florida at a Pentecostal school. Can I ask real quick, because I am not super well-versed, but Pentecostal is like charismatic it's it, very similar yeah okay. so so we would have chapels but then everyone would start speaking in tongues yeah. and falling on the floor and rolling on all over each other yeah it's oh, like hardcore right? I've seen that. yes and if the revival and the spirit's moving they won't make you leave and go to class so you know what <laughs> every friday every friday we were sobbing we were speaking in tongues we were rolling on the floor now you know very Real in a sense for some people, very okay. not real in a sense okay. for others, and also very like, well, hey, if I'm going to have a real spiritual movement, it might as well be at the time that we were going to have a math test, right? Jesus, as a burgeoning lesbian, maybe it's fun to roll around on the floor you with know, other young ladies. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, cheerleading was also fun for, there you for go. lots of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but we had to add um, an extra, like, extra inches to our cheerleading sure. because... Sure. It, it, was, it was giving me a blah, give me a blah, right. just right. speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. So Nailed it. No math Sounded like Dracula. <laughs> no math says for me. So with this school, um, we would go on a lot of like uh, cool field trips because it was a very small school. My whole grade was like 12 people. Oh my God. And um, yeah, we knew each other very well. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, we had trips like we we went to like the Keys and then this guy's brother was on the Coast Guard. So they would take us out to this island, like way past the Keys that they used to use as a prison. And they like, left us there overnight to sleep there. Wait, with no adult supervision? Oh, no, we had we had teachers. Oh, okay. and, stuff. and then um, we did like we'd every year we would go to Daytona beach as a school which sounds really fun yeah except have you ever um passed out religious tracts to people during spring break at <laughs> Daytona Beach? 
Because I oh have. Oh my god! Wow! Wow! Did they just use it to catch their barfin or something? Uh, probably, probably. But we had to like go out in teams, and like we had like certain questions we had to ask people to like oh. help bring them to Jesus at Daytona Beach during spring break. Oh wow. my god, that's hysterical. That's a Sisyphean. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I didn't die on those trips, or almost die on those trips. Okay. But just a shame, maybe, or like embarrassment. I, yeah, those were the maybe the metaphoric uh, cliffs. But we did, we did a group backpacking trip in the Appalachians in Georgia, um, where we all went as a class. I believe this was ninth grade. We all went as a class. We had like three chaperones, I think, and we backpacked for a week. Wow! And like we like slept in a cemetery, like out in the open, like did all this stuff. It was kind of yeah, cool and fun. Yeah. And beforehand, they had to like prep us on, you know, what you need to do if you need to use the bathroom because we're like out in the wilderness with, you know, a lot of all the like digging a hole and, you know, and they had to send the boys away to go play basketball so they could talk to us about what to do if we were on our period Uh because like blood can attract animals. So then there was a lot of like double bagged joke. And the devil. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Yes. You're simultaneously attracting (laughs) Satan. Yes. And like maybe a mountain lion. Oh boy. Yeah. And uh, which is. It could be one and the same. (laughs) Yes. A demon possessed mountain lion. (laughs) Yes. So we were really, especially the girls, we were really stressed about the bathroom situation, yeah. um, and and you know, and praying that our menses did not come. Mm. Um, and 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 I was not on my period for this, so at least there was that. But one day we had been like hiking all day, and I really needed to use the restroom, and everybody had like stopped in this little clearing. But I, you know, it was like we were what, like fourteen or something. Yeah. You don't really want to like you're not quite in that place where you're comfortable enough to just like pop a squat in front of your whole maybe you're never I was gonna no. say yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah once in my life has that been a, a, an option I mean maybe if alcohol were involved in copious quantities um, sure sure I guess. perhaps Ugh. though even then um so I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to like try to like hike up the trail a little bit, like away from everybody while everyone's taking a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hiked up this trail and then like, you know, like dug my little hole and like I've been down. And then I realized that like I need to, I need to poop. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this is, you know, got to happen. And so like I, I start to go and then, like, this couple, not in our group, but just, like, you know, like, random hikers who exist in the world, oh. they start walking down the trail. And oh, I realized, no, like, no, no. I had gone away from all of my friends, which meant I was just, like, on the edge of the mountain. Like, I, I was more focused on getting away from the other teenagers yes, right. than on, like, having a lot of space in which to do my business. And so, like, I see these hikers coming and just instinctually, I step backwards. Oh, God. Oh, but oh. that's off the mountain. Oh like, no, 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 no! <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then I'm like falling. <gasps> There's my my pants and my panties are down around my ankles. No. There there is shit coming out of my ass, <laughs> oh, and I'm falling <laughs> off the side of the Appalachian Mountains <laughs> as a teenage girl. Oh, and so, like, my God. I happen to like grab a tree. Like like a, like a thin tree that's yeah. you know like going off the yes. side and defying. Okay gravity and so like then I'm just hanging <laughs> from this tree shit covered and half naked and I'm like do I yell for help or should I just like die because <laughs> it might be but if I die then I will also be half naked and covered in yeah, shit and that's then, not the way I want to die right. no you don't be found that way it's not on my top 10 list of ways to go <laughs> and so I was like uh okay 
So I decided not to yell for help. Now, did the couple see you? I don't know. I hope not. Because okay. I literally you died just, not okay. to. Like, I was like, right. I will do anything for them not to see right. me. I assume they didn't because they didn't come to help. Yeah. I, I think mean, they would have helped you, yeah. I, one would hope. Right. Uh, also, it was a half-naked person falling down in oh. poop, so like maybe that was scary for them. Yeah, sure. I, like, probably thought that I was um, not in my right mind, because who would do that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I decided not to yell for help. So... <laughs> I was like trying to like. <laughs> Did you get the sweats? Like those? Oh God! Yeah, those like embarrassing yes. panic sweats. Yeah. The what? The, like the panic sweats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're just like, oh my God, there's no way out of this. Like, <laughs> so when I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like get my feet. I'm like doing it with my body, as if anyone can see. I'm trying to get my feet, you know, around the tree to like help me get up. Except that again, like my jeans <laughs> and my panties are around my feet. So like my 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 legs are bound together, <laughs> and I'm holding onto this tree. And so then I'm like shimmying my entire body to like get like my jeans to kind of become the rope as I pull so like I pull myself around the tree I finally do manage to like get to a place where I can claw yeah okay my way like kind of up the side of the mountain and then like pull up my underwear and pull up my pants and then and then I just like wiped myself off and um went back down and pretended like nothing had ever Oh my God! Happened. You didn't tell anybody. No, absolutely well, not. Not for you, years. Not for like ten years. How, how did you clean yourself off? Well, leaves. I, you know, it, there was some toilet paper that I brought with me. Oh, okay. I kind of okay. like found where I had left some of that, and like, I, you know, it was a real uh, haphazard. Uh huh. Was there? I, I, I'm sorry to get so specific on this, but did you have any? of the fecal matter on the outside of your clothes? Luckily, no. That's good. No. But you it, must have smelled. It, I, I mean, maybe. I, I hope not. Right. I hope not. I did definitely, like, change my clothes as soon as I possibly could. Oh, good. Could. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it was not the best <laughs> moment of my life. I'm just picturing a postcard of you hanging off of a tree and, like, <laughs> wish wish you were here. Hang in just there. Like, hang in there. Yeah. yeah just like the kitten. <laughs> yeah. Just naked poop. There, there, is, there is art like that because... What? <laughs> What did my dream just come so, true? When when I when I first met my my wife, Kat Staggs, who's a comic book illustrator, we um we made a webcomic together for a couple of years and it was called Hot Mess and it was me telling embarrassing stories about my life. Oh my god. And her illustrating it. So we have like this four panel story that is and the last panel is me just like oh hanging my god. with my pants around my angle saying, Should I yell for help or should I just die? <laughs> so like it does what you just described does exist That's in the world. I amazing. can't wait to see it. That, that art, okay, so wait, what's art. your wife's name? Cat Cat Stags. And do you guys work together? Oh, we do sometimes. Uh so for the John Carpenter's Tales for Halloween night, we do that together. We've done um several Wonder Woman things together. We did Wonder Woman seventy seven together How and we did awesome. uh, a Serena Williams Wonder Woman team up. Did you see those direct TV commercials where like she turns into Wonder Woman? I have not. Um, well, they, so they did those commercials for DirecTV and then they had Kat and I do a comic book series to like go with it. So it's like, my God, there's an alternate universe where Serena Williams is wondrous Serena and Diana Princess is t- tennis star. And then, <laughs> they, you know, Friday. They, yeah, things happen. <laughs> Everybody gets switched around. They, the four of them have to like team up and work together. So it's Wonder Woman and wondrous Serena and Diana Prince and 
you know, it's it's how fun. That's really cool. Oh my god, you have like the coolest job. It's a fun job. It's a really fun job. Really good. Wow. Okay. So how did you? I'm just curious. How did you get started in comic books? Um. Dating my wife, um, I was. Oh, I was a, so you I, weren't already okay. I was a TV writer, so I was already. Oh, okay. I was already a writer. I had never written comics before, um, and then I started dating Cat, and she was an illustrator. Then we started doing the hot mess comics together, as like because at, at the time I was doing a lot of comedy writing, and so like it was like they were just it was like funny uh-huh. online yeah. comic strips, and then I made a um, a YouTube video that was like a joke about I'm an orphan and it, so it was a it was a joke on Father's Day about being an orphan where like I slowly turned into Batman uh-huh. over the course of the video um and because Batman's also an orphan thank you it's really obscure most people don't they don't cover it that much and so um, he's, a, he's a superhero uh, for DC. I, I've heard of him, <laughs> but I didn't. I sure. did need that. Okay, so he's an orphan. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, you didn't know he was an orphan. Well, I did, but I didn't make the connection. You didn't make the connection. Okay. Yeah. All right. Movie so, theater pearls going everywhere. So okay. much like Batman, I'm also a billionaire now. Yes, <laughs> but um, so it went around. It, it went around a little bit. And it went through the DC offices, and then. An editor was like, hey, I've seen your hot mess comics, and I saw this funny Batman video. Would you like to write Wonder Woman? As, as always oh happens my when you make God. a comedy video online. That's and I wonderful. said, yeah, the most iconic female superhero of all time. Maybe. No pressure. That'll be great. Yeah. It'll be great. And so I did. Can I go back to the story for a second? Please, let's do. Let's go you back said to you didn't tell like, anyone for 10 years. Yeah. Who was the first person you told and what was the context? The world on the internet for the hot mess comic. Because no. I was <laughs> but so you must have told your wife first. Well, I mean, yes, because she she drew it. Um, but yeah, I was just um I was just thinking about embarrassing stories for my life because that's that was the thing. And we we did one every week. And then I guess I just uh, you know, I was hiking a lot at the time here in LA and I guess it just like came back to me and I was like, Oh my god, right. That time that I fell off the cliff and thought I was going to die naked and covered in shit. Um, and then I decided to just claw my way back up instead of yell because if I'd yelled for help, like people would have come. I could have gotten you know, it took yeah. a while. It is not easy with your ankles tied together by your panties <laughs> to then climb a mountain like oh my God. it's not it's steep there's leaves you're slipping it's a long way down it's very it's I very think, stressful i think you're a hero i think you're a superhero a little bit not all heroes wear capes or pants, pants pulled up <laughs> i don't know if it's a self-inflicted tragedy mm, good and point. you're too worried about your own ego to call for help. I don't know if that's so. I think funny. fourteen, though, right? You yeah, think you're fourteen. Right, I mean, right. That's an age where you won't even like change your shirt in front of another girl at a sleepover. Yes, you know, right. you're very steeped in like yes. the idea that you could get embarrassed is right. very intense. Hundred percent. So this all tracks. Oh yes, God. but it is one of those things. Like you know, I wouldn't recommend it. Like if you do fall off a cliff. <laughs> Naked or not, I think the right thing to do is to yell for help and let people come and help you. Okay. So don't do what you did. Don't do what I did, though I did 
survive. So maybe. Maybe maybe Jesus was with you. Maybe he heard all your fake (laughs) mumblings on the floor and was like, I got to help this kid out. Jesus gave you a tree branch. Yeah. To hold on to. He did. It's, it's, It's like footprints in the sand. But it's footprints and shit. Yes. Right. Exactly. But the devil made you poop near a cliff. He yes. called you to the edge. I yes. think that's fair. Or the devil created those two people. Yeah. Do we know that they even were people? Oh. Might they have been demon-possessed mountain lions? They might have. They might have been. We don't know. Oh we don't. God. I never saw them again. So, you know. Yeah. Who's oh. to say? Oh. See? To say? There, I think right there we know the answer. Wow. wow. That was a really fun story. Amazing. Fantastic I'm, story. Thank you so much for telling us your story. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's great to, to share Times when you're covered in shit. There's nothing I love I don't, more. I don't think we would say that like poop stories are our favorite stories, but we do love a story that has an element of danger. Yes. And an element of shame. Comedy, shame, and comedy. Danger. This is so much. Amanda, shame. you brought the perfect triad. Yes. Of the how to survive universe. You did. Yeah, you did. I, well, yeah. If I could bring in some kind of superhero comic book reference right you now, you would do it. I would do it, but I am not capable. So if Garen right. or Danielle could jump in at any moment, triad. Um, I, I can only think of the Fantastic Four, and that's four. Is there a multiverse <laughs> reference someone can throw in? <laughs> Didn't Superman have a dog and a cousin or something? He has a cousin. I know he has a cousin. He does have a dog. Yeah. Um, Is this the day that Garen quits? <laughs> 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 Jesus. Anyway, all right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Amanda, for being on. That was awesome. We loved your story. You're great you. guys. We love you. Thank we, you. Please come back. Sure. Yeah. Another time. And I think you have more stories. I, I, I sadly do. I, sadly I cannot do. wait. All right. We'll be right back with what did we learn today? Chris, are you ready to learn what we learned today? Teach me, wise one. Start your party. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Libs is a gateway to more harsher things like balderdash. (laughs) In the 19th century, the mountain was named after George Everest, a former surveyor general of India. The Tibetan name is Chamolungma. Nailed it. (laughs) Which means mother goddess of the world. The Nepali name is Sagar Matha. Which has various meanings. And we're not going to tell you any of them. Nah, keeping it to (laughs) ourselves. Officials have erected a pantry door on the top of Everest to track its growth spurts. What? A pantry door? Oh, he's being funny. I just realized. Because it grows a quarter inch every year. Like, you put a line. (laughs) I swear to God, I was just reading it and really believed it. That's funny. That's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably leaving appendages behind when you climb Everest. Yeah, you're losing some fingers. Um, $5,000 is equal to 36,527.50 Chinese yuan. Yuan? Mm-hmm. It's not yen. It's... No, that's Japanese. Oh, I'm an yuan. idiot. I thought the okay, same thing. Yuan. Yeah. Uh, Kathmandu is a song by Bob Seger yes. and the capital of Nepal. Yes. You're only slightly more likely to die on Everest than in a car. But it's cheaper to die in a car. Depends on the car. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, that's true. That's true. All right. Which one are you going to pick? Yeah, right. Climbing Everest is a very expensive way to probably die. (laughs) (laughs) Reader's Digest is the warm quilt of magazine publications. I agree with that. It's a cozy. It's also one of the most read publications in the world. Still. Yeah, still. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact. Guys. Oh, wait. Before we go. Yeah. I keep 
we've been on this show for a year. Yes. And I have never done this. And I keep kicking myself that I've never done this. If you also like scripted podcasts. Yes. I wrote on a podcast um, that Rain Wilson co-created and stars in. Yes. Called Dark Air with Terry Carnation. And you can find that um, wherever podcasts are found. It's really fun. He, uh, if you don't know, Rain Wilson uh, was Dwight on The Office. And he plays a guy who's really... Uh, a radio host who's kind of an Art Bell type who's like uh, into the paranormal. But there's actually a an arching. Um, He's kind of a what type? Oh, Art Bell was a radio guy who uh, was into the paranormal okay. and had a radio show. Oh. And um, whether or not he always believed his guests, you don't know. Yeah. But he, he had an open mind and he went with it and he was... <laughs> a little paranoid and uh anyway he's sort of like that and um and there's great guest stars because all the callers uh there's a regular cast of people but there's also uh, a bunch of callers every episode and it's just really fun and uh you might be delighted to hear it and i just thought you know this is ridiculous i have this platform well, yeah, i've never talked about we it should be talking about yeah, it we're gonna super fun guess where we're gonna put it in the, the new, show notes the newsletter and right. the show notes and, then, and Oh, you guys, we've got some great merchandise coming. Oh, I'm so excited. I am so excited to get this out. On the road. Because, you know, it's coming the holidays. That's right. People are going to be like, what am I going to get? I got to get something. Yep. And that we're going to have the right stuff for you guys. So don't forget, you know, like us, subscribe to us. Tweeted us, tell us hi, whatever. We love to hear from you. It's so fun for us. Sign up for the newsletter. It's just a way to support us. And uh, until next time, remain remain calm. calm.